Good morning, everyone. So awesome today to, to celebrate our feast day. Um, and I've been praying more recently about how the fact that our church is given over to the prayers of Our Lady of Lords should really mean something to each of us. Um, and so the last week I've been kind of reading more about Lords, and I just encourage you to do that. I think the fact that you're going to Mass here, that Our Lady of Lords has something for you. And it's, it's a very simple place. I haven't been there, but the message of Lords is simple. And I encourage you to learn about it, to pray about it, and to invite Mary into your life in a deeper way. Whenever I have a friend who is a nurse or a doctor or works in the medical field, there's an essay I always like to talk to them about. And actually, it was, it was a commencement address given to medical students. And it was given by uh, a theologian at Duke University, a guy named Stanley Hauerwas. And it's, it's one of the most fascinating, it is, I will say, it's the most fascinating thing I've ever read about healthcare. And it starts, and Hauerwas cites a survey that was done where they went out and they asked a whole bunch of Americans how they wanted to die. Now, if they would have asked me, I would have been like, you know, shot at the altar, straight ticket to heaven, freaks out my congregation, but I don't care. <laughs> but the results were not surprising. It was exactly kind of what you would think. All right, they went out, and the survey results said, basically, people want to, uh, they don't want to know that death is coming. They want to be ignorant of that. They want to have a painless death, and they want to die in their sleep. Sounds pretty good, right? Everything but gelato, right? You just add that, it's like, okay. And that's, I think that's kind of how we all feel. I, I think if I don't reflect deeply on the meaning of death, that's how I would answer. So Hauerwas cites that, and then he goes on and he says, but everything we know about medieval Christians, the Catholic ages of history, tells us that, that, that Christians in the Middle Ages would have answered that survey exactly the opposite of how we answer it today. Exactly the opposite. We know about medieval Christians that they actually preferred to know that death was coming. We also know that it was important to them. They saw the end of life and suffering that came with illness and the approach of death as an important thing to go through. And then finally, right, they, they wanted to know about it. Why is this? Why, why do they have such a different view than us? They wanted, to have a, they wanted to know about it because they wanted to be able to say, I want a priest to come absolve me of my sins and receive the last sacraments of the church before I die. In fact, it would be, in medieval Christendom, it would be considered a tragedy to miss the sacraments before you died. Then secondly, they said, you know, I want to, Jesus tells us that we're to forgive our enemies, right? We're to love those uh, who have persecuted us. And they wanted that chance. They wanted to forgive and be reconciled to those they had hurt. And then they also wanted to do penance 
And so suffering, they saw that as necessary. And Hauerwas has this great line. He says, why are we so different? Why are Christians today have such a different attitude about death than we did in the Middle Ages? And his answer is so simple, and it's right on. He says, we fear death. We're scared of death, but they feared God. We fear death, but they feared God. They really believed that. In fact, so many of the questions in our healthcare system, no one talks about this. But the real question about our healthcare system is not about, you know, taxes and, and how different subsidies work. The real question about our healthcare system is that we don't have a theology of death. We are no longer a Christian nation. And all of our medicine and our end-of-life issues are not really about money. It's about the fact that you and I are going to die. And we don't know how to deal with that as a culture anymore. And so we pretend not to deal with it by throwing tons of money at healthcare. But that's a whole other sermon. Just come back next week. What does this have to do with anything? Here's my point in bringing up that, that intro to that commencement speech is that, brothers and sisters, sometimes in life, the thing that really is at the heart of the matter, we miss. People today, what it's really about, right, is that you're going to go before God someday, and in that day, all that will matter is if you love Jesus Christ, and if you loved your enemies and your neighbors and your friends, that you loved God and you loved others. That's all that will matter. And we miss that because we're so scared of death. In our gospel today, there's something that God wants to show us that's very similar. Today's gospel is so powerful. Now, brothers and sisters, when you go, when the, your week's happening, we're all, our lives are so crazy, we're so distracted. One thing you could do for Lent, right? I know every Lent you're like, a friend of mine always says, you know, you, we'll get to heaven and you'll say, Lord, I gave up chocolate for Lent and I almost made it, right? It's like, wow, that was rough. One idea, one idea that you can have for Lent is read the gospel and the readings for Sunday each week and pray with them. Our lives are given over to all these worldly things. Look at the readings. And then when you come to Mass on Sunday, they'll, you'll already know them. They'll be in you. The first reading almost always, almost always, sheds light on the gospel and vice versa. So our first reading today is from Leviticus 13, or 14, and it's all about the law of what happens to lepers in Israel. And for us, we don't get this because it's not a big deal for us in the modern world, you know? I don't know about you, but I haven't met too many lepers. But in the ancient world, it's a huge deal. Leprosy was hugely contagious, and it was one of the scariest diseases that anyone could ever face. If you caught leprosy, you're, you could lose limbs. They could literally fall off your body. It was very unsightly. It was painful. It was a horrible disease. And so what happens with lepers is they're cast out. They're outside the community. Right? And in our first reading today, we heard about they, have to, they literally are not allowed around other people. And as they walk around, they have to shout out, unclean unclean. 
Now, I think we should bring this back, right? <laughs> I'm like, I think all you people, I think we should, you should have to walk into the church and go, sinner, sinner. <laughs> oh, that'd be so good for us. We don't do that anymore. But think about this. Brothers and sisters, leprosy, it was, it was dangerous. It was awful. It was painful. But it isolated you. You couldn't be around others. And this leper today, right, it's hugely contagious. And this leper breaks all the rules because he approaches Jesus. And the last thing, and there's two things to be, when you're unclean, anyone that you touch, that uncleanness spreads. Imagine that if we had sin through osmosis, right? You're in church, you're like, oh man, I touched a sinner, I can't go to communion. Bummer. Doesn't work that way, by the way. But that's what happened. If you touched someone who was unclean, you became unclean. And with leprosy, there's a huge danger you'll catch that disease. Jesus today does the last thing you would ever do. He reaches out and touches the leper. What a powerful image for our lives. That our sin doesn't contaminate Christ. When we come to Jesus and he touches us, our sin is removed and we're healed. Very powerful. So back to, to what, what are we driving at? Here's the main point I want to get at, brothers and sisters, is that if I were that leper, and if you were that leper, what would you ask for? It's so simple, isn't it? You would just ask to be healed. Lord, heal me. That's not what he asked for today. There are a number of Greek words to heal. We need our, we need our daily Greek vocabulary, weekly Greek vocabulary word. So here's an easy one. one. One of the words in Greek to heal is therapeuo. It's where we get the word therapy. Therapy means to heal in Greek. And so that leper, if I were him, I'd say, Lord, therapy, right here. Like, I want to be healed. But that's not what he said. That's not what he asked for today. The leper in today's story asked to be cleansed. And to be clean is not a medical term in ancient Israel. It's a term that derives from liturgy, from worship. In the medieval culture, they knew that the real issue was your relationship with God. We, in the modern world, just want a death that's easy. The leper gets something like that today. He doesn't just ask for physical healing. Because the leper knows that the real source of life is not biology. You as a human being, right, we all want good health. So do I. Right? When I stub my toe, I'm tempted to like cry out to God. But it's not about that. We all know as human beings, the deepest core of our life, of our heart, is not physical health. It's our heart. It is our relationship with the living God. And so it's so beautiful today that the leper does not cry out for physical healing. He cries out to be back in relationship with the living God. 
Brothers and sisters, what do you pray for? What do you hope for? What do you tell yourself would make you happy? Because we lie to ourselves. And I do the same thing. I do it every day. If only my, my calendar was less full. If only, you know, I mean, you know all the normal ones. If only people realized how amazing I am. Oh my gosh, then, then when finally life would be as it's supposed to be. If only I was perfectly comfortable and secure. Brothers and sisters, that cannot give you life. God did not create you for those things. None of them are bad. He created you for something so much more. He created your heart to be alive in faith, hope, and love. And if you have that, you have everything. One last point from our gospel today, which is so beautiful, is that, and this really doesn't, I, this isn't central to the sermon, but I just couldn't pass it up. Sin makes us exiles. That's what sin does. I just, I always want my people to understand that sin isn't just law-breaking. It is that. But sin is relationship-breaking. The reason sin is so bad is because it destroys our relationship with God and our relationship with others. That's what it does. That's why it's evil. That's why it's bad. So sin cuts us out. And so the leper today is exiled. He's out of the community, right? He doesn't have relationships. And Jesus heals him. And here's the thing that Mark wants us to see is that after Jesus heals the leper, they change places. The leper is cleansed, he's healed, and he's welcomed back into the community of Israel. At the end of our gospel today, St. Mark says this, It says, the leper went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. In his love, in his love for us, in his love for this leper today, Jesus is exiled. He can no longer enter into the community. He and the lepers, which places in brothers and sisters, That is a prefigurement of the crucifixion. Your sin and my sin, what my sin does, is it casts me out of communion with God, which is why if you have serious sin, you can't receive communion. This is on almost every page of the Bible. This is not a a rule the church has made up. This is straight from the heart of biblical theology. Sin casts us out. When I sin, I lose my relationship with God and I lose my relationship with the church. But what happened at the cross is that Jesus took my sin and he was crucified and condemned outside the city. Jesus is cast out so that I might enter in. How beautiful is that? That's your story. That is your story. So powerful. Now I want to tie this just briefly in the time we have remaining, which is about 45 minutes for the homily. I want to to tie this to one of my friends always says, she's like, Father Brian, you get such cheap laughs. It's true. makes me feel good about myself, though. I want to tie this to our feast day today. 
I want to tie this to Our Lady of Lourdes. So brothers and sisters, the real thing that makes us happy, right? The leper got this. The source of life, the source of your joy, the source of meaning and purpose in your life is not when everything goes well. It's when you're in relationship with the Blessed Trinity. And in so many ways, that's the story of Our Lady of Lourdes. Mary appeared in the year 1858. And it's so cool. I love it. Bernadette was 14 years old, which is what we think Mary probably was when the angel Gabriel came to her. When things go wrong in the world, God doesn't usually choose the wealthy and the wise and the powerful. He chooses the humble and the lowly. And so Bernadette, when she's 14, she goes to this cave, this big uh, kind of grotto in Lourdes, and she sees Mary. And by the way, our, our, our committee, our sacristan, Dorothy, and others, you'll see the yellow flowers up here. And that's, St. Bernadette tells us there were pale yellow roses on Mary's feet. And Mary prays the rosary with St. Bernadette. She's simple and she's silent. She appeared 18 times to St. Bernadette. And on the 25th of March, 1848, Mary said to St. Bernadette, I am the Immaculate Conception. I am the Immaculate Conception. What does that mean? It means that Mary was conceived without sin and remained free of sin her whole life. Now, here's, here's how this all ties together. Do you see it? Happiness is not about what happens to you. It's about who you are. Mary's life wasn't easy. I'm sure Mary prayed to, to God the Father and said, bless me, bless my family. You know, Make that punk nephew of mine come back to his faith, right? Whatever it was. But Mary's, Mary's life did not go well. The center of her existence was her son. And Mary stands at the cross while he's tortured and murdered. But Mary was full of joy. Why? Because happiness is not about what happens to you. It's about who you are. Mary was the Immaculate Conception. She had the presence of God in her soul, her whole life, in her body during the nine months when Jesus was physically inside of her. That's what it means to be a Christian. What do you pray for? What are you hungry for? When you go before Jesus, do you say, Lord, heal me? Or do you say, Lord, cleanse me? Lord, make me clean. Give me a pure heart. Rid me of my jealousies and my lusts and all the things inside of me that defile me. Jesus, if you give me that, if you give me a heart that is free of sin, that's free of defilement, I can go through anything. And I can actually do it with joy. St. Bernadette, you might think, okay, gosh, I wish I was a saint, right? I think the kids in our school, saints are kind of like superheroes. You ever notice that? This means yes, this means no. They totally are, right? It's so cool. And you're like, I didn't know too much about a lot of the saints when I was a kid. 
but like saints, like I always want to be Padre Pio now. It's like by location. Like I could go without having the stigmata. That would be rough. But by location, Lord, can I have that without the stigmata? <laughs> saints are so amazing. They teach us about what it means to be a Christian. Bernadette did not have an easy life. No one believed her when she had this vision of Mary. And brothers and sisters, if you learn about the life of St. Bernadette, it's a story of sadness and difficulty of sickness. But people say, and there's all these accounts, it's so wonderful. She had great suffering in her life. But when people met Bernadette, they always walked away joyful. And we have all these accounts of her that her face was always radiant with joy. That's the Christian life. That's where our hearts find fulfillment. And I want to leave you, Our Lady gave three challenges at Lourdes, three basic challenges, and this is Our Lady of Lourdes Parish. And I, I have been convicted of this in my own life, and I think all of us should be. Our parish will be what it should be, not just because we do externals right. I love our music at Lourdes. I try to work hard on my homilies. We have a lot of people who work very hard to make this place be what it should be. But that's not the soul of it. The heart and soul of this parish is holiness. And I can't choose that for you. You have to choose that. So Mary said three things. She said, you need to pray more. I promise you, prayer is not easy, but you'll always feel better. Start praying the rosary. Pray the rosary for the conversion of the world. I need to pray the rosary more. I'm not the best about the rosary. I need to pray that more. She asked people to do penance. Right? We've got to rid our hearts of sin. In doing penance, we become like Christ. We're willing to suffer because we love. Right? If, if you love, penance won't be so hard. Penance is hard when we don't love. When we love, penance becomes easier. And then the third one was conversion. And so brothers and sisters, your life isn't about externals. We all want happiness, we all want health, and those are good things. Happiness is an inside job. It is about your heart, it is about your union with God. And so Jesus, today on our feast day, Jesus, we love you, but not enough. And Mary, Mary, give us hope. Pray for us that we can grow in holiness, that we can grow in prayer and penance and conversion. Jesus, don't just heal us. Lord, make us clean. 